Welcome back into the We Shall Not Sleep podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again this week. Thank you for the continued reviews, feedback, and emails. Again, wsnspodcast at gmail.com in case you are interested. But my goodness, what a journey this continues to be. A collective journey. And something that, for me, has been very humbling. And I don't know, the, the feedback that I've gotten has been so encouraging, but has continued to, to push me to do better. And I am so excited for the future once again. I know I say that each and every week, but every week I hear something more. I hear of people being changed, at least maybe with their opinions or maybe another perspective, rather, being added to their repertoire, which that's my whole goal here. I'm not trying to change anyone's mind. I want to fill this space with Christian dialogue that needs to be talked about. And if I can get someone to just pause for a second, consider something, or have their own thoughts reinforced, then I think it's worth it. So again, as we juxtapose each and every week with a short little drive time message by me, and then an interview where I will try my best, mind you, to kind of sit back and actually be the interviewer instead of the interviewee, I, I hear you on that because I like talking. For those of you who actually know me, that is not a shock. And I know that you guys have been telling me to kind of lay off a little bit, and I want to respect that because I want to hear from our guests as well. Can't wait for the next few weeks and months ahead. Thank you for those who have listened and continue to listen, and welcome into those new listeners this week. So I just wrapped up a lecture series here on Revelation and the End Times. My church and I, we've been on this journey together where I basically have been giving PowerPoint presentations for the last seven weeks on several different topics. And the end times, which is something that is very popular in mainstream evangelicalism, as well as just in general today, even with non-Christian folks, but people believing that there's an apocalypse, that the world's ending. You have a bunch of people from mainstream uh, to all the way to the uh, religious zealots that believe in certain dates, times, events, and what have you. And for us Christians, we stand in the middle between those two, believing, for one, that yes, there will eventually be an end to this temporal existence here on earth, and then we will transition into eternity. Uh, you know, that's assuming we're not already in these end times, which I'll talk about here in a moment. But I, I want to talk about this not to bemoan anyone, not to dismiss what people are passionate about, because I think these are important things. I think eschatology, or that's the theological study of the end times, and the second coming, or the parousia, as we would know, of those theologians out there, uh, the second coming is imminent, at least according to Revelation, the ending of that book says that, you know, behold, I am coming quickly. Well, what does that mean exactly? Because it's been two millennia since those words were written down for the most part, give or take a few years. So as we sit here in 2021 as Christians, and, and mostly Christians in America, and we see some things happening, we see some things happening globally. To those overseas, you've witnessed stuff far before we've witnessed it over here. And I'm not even talking anything political. It's just we have a tendency as humans to put ourselves at the center of the story and 
make ourselves the protagonist, like our individual self, not humanity as a whole. But when you see something happen, it's like, oh my gosh, that must prove the Bible in this instance. Well, I'm a believer that the Bible's proven over and over again, regardless of my experience, my 27-year mere existence is not the only thing proving the Bible. So as we look at certain passages, such as Daniel chapter 7 through 12, Matthew chapter 24, Luke 21, and Revelation 1, and for the most part, the entire book of Revelation, we have a challenge that faces us in modern-day Protestant thought because those books, at least to the first-time reader, seem very different than the other books. But even to hardened Christians, they even sometimes have trouble reconciling what these books are even for and, and to why they're written, you know, the purpose, the occasion, the author, the audience. All of these important things is either lost in a great mystery, like either we just can't figure them out, or because it's so confusing, then I'm just not going to try, so you're moved to apathy, or we take them literally, and therefore these things must mean this, this points to those set of numbers, those numbers mean something, and we become so sure. So you have all of the parts of the pendulum playing into this modern thought on these apocalyptic writings. And I'm wondering that as a church, given our differences in denominations, if we have really done a disservice to the average churchgoer who doesn't know what to think, who has been left to float on and on their own in this entire confusing mess that we call the end times. Those who follow preachers who believe that they know the end times or they know that they're near or that they've read this particular prophecy and that lines up with these events and so on and so forth. Well, if we just read the words of Matthew and how Jesus is described as saying that even he doesn't know, it's only God that knows. And Jesus is saying this in his humanness, his full humanity, that he is willingly limiting himself in knowledge in that particular area. Now, that's not a heresy. I'm just saying that, yes, Jesus was fully God, but he also was fully man. And there were limitations put upon him. I mean, he did actually die, right? He was not Superman. It's not as if he was given kryptonite on the cross and then that's why he died. No, he willingly allowed all of that to happen. He subjected himself to the human experience, which makes it the greatest love story ever told. And so you have Jesus saying, of course, I don't even know. Only the Father does, because that's part of Jesus's ministry. He's always taking the glory that's thrust upon him, and he's always deflecting it and putting it back on the Father, such as, as we, as creation, ought to do with our Heavenly Father. We are reflections of his image it's not to our glory. We've done nothing. So we reflect back God's image to other people. So when we talk about the end times, I wonder if our haughtiness gets in the way. Is it our idea of what we think ought to happen? Does that supersede what is to happen? You know, 
there are so many great questions. There's so many points that are raised by a bunch of these passages. But some of the things that I was talking to my congregation about was the fact that the Bible does talk about these end of days. So therefore, I think it's important. Jesus refers to them in all of the synoptic gospels, or at least the temporary destruction of the temple, but then some hints at what is to come afterwards. This does remain somewhat a mystery, but in the end, we are supposed to be prepared. We are supposed to be the servants in waiting. If you read those passages, those of you who are familiar with your Bibles will remember in Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the ten virgins, and you'll remember that when the bridegroom comes back and certain a certain amount are not ready, what ends up happening? They get left behind because they weren't ready. Or Luke chapter 12, when Jesus is telling the parable about the servants being ready for their master's return. Are we going to be ready? Or in the meantime, are we abusing the rest of the people in the house? Are we trashing the place? Are we watchmen, watch folk, if you will? One of the things that I've mentioned in the past with my church is that as we led up to Christmas, it's this celebration, but it's a little bit different than for those who saw the promised Messiah. You see, every single generation after Christ had been born and had fulfilled that particular Isaiah prophecy, we have been in a different time. We're in this transition. We are in this transition. So because he has already come, and now we are in this period of Lent where we are celebrating the fact that Christ came to earth and paid the ultimate price so we wouldn't have to endure hell and eternal judgment. We're in the not yet. We're in between Christ's ascension and his coming back, the second coming, the parousia. So are we in the end times? I would say, of course we are. It has been perpetual since Christ ascended to heaven and sat down at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. So for us, if we don't know the hour, and by the way, Matthew's quote-unquote little apocalypse talks about those who will come and say that they know the time, it's like, well, that's easy. If somebody's saying that they know when the end times are, I guess you don't need to believe them. It's pretty simple. Again, read the entire chapter of Matthew 24. It's pretty revealing. I'm saying we're in the end times not because they're imminent and there's going to be this sudden rapture-like event tomorrow. Absolutely not. I have no basis to make that statement. And in fact, even if I did, that would reveal my own arrogance. I would call Jesus a liar. That no, he really knew. And because he lied to you, I'm going to tell you when the end times are. Absolutely not. But taking a more holistic approach to all this, well, of course, we're in the end times as a period of history because it's all leading to this date. It's downhill. Death has already been defeated. 
That was the climax of this human history. Jesus coming as the Messiah to earth to establish a new covenant with his people as what was promised. And once he died and then rose again and ascended to heaven, we're on a downward trajectory. There is no doubt about the sovereignty of God and his power. Absolutely none. And for us Christians, this is a joyful time. There's nothing in the Bible that says our lives are going to be easy, but joy, something eternal, something that is taken from beyond our temporal and physical nature, something that's derived from the Most High, that is something that should be guiding us every day, regardless of our political, socioeconomical statuses, marital status even, for those struggling with relationships. I mean, what are we doing as Christians? What are we doing as church leaders? How are we educating those people who are in our pews, in our seats, praying at our altars? What are we doing to faithfully educate people on the fact that, yeah, these are all the end times. We're leading up to this wonderful event, this wedding banquet at the resurrection of the righteous, whereby those who have remained faithful have nothing to fear. Haven't you noticed that so many times in our Christian media, the end times are displayed and characterized, and I would say almost as a caricature of doom and gloom and and terribleness, and it always seemed like they were told by Christians for Christians. But if anything, those messages were for the non-Christians because for those who have remained faithful to the cause, for those servants who have been ready for the master's return, we don't have anything to fear. I mean, if we're afraid of the day of judgment, what side of the law does that say we're on? I mean, really? Now, there's nothing we can do to justify ourselves because it's Christ's blood, first and foremost, that justifies us. Nothing else follows that. There's nothing we can do. Our ticket has been punched by the blood of Christ. End of story. So for us, when we stand before God and the throne, and if the question's ever asked of us, you know, theoretically, like a job interview, why should I admit you to heaven? Your answer is because of your son end of story. There's nothing else we can offer. So if you're afraid of those days, if the end times spark fear in you, can I challenge you on that to maybe rethink that maybe your motivation, maybe that fear is not from God and that even though Revelation's written to the church, If we read just the opening few verses of Revelation chapter 1, it establishes the supreme authority, sovereignty, and purity of Christ and his mission. And for those who cling to his message, cling to his calling, nothing can take us out of his hand. Nothing. So I hope that's encouraging. I really do. Because the end times for me, sure, if it can happen tomorrow, hey, Okay, Uh, does it happen 5,000 years from now? Sure, but we are perpetually in the, quote, end times in this particular era of Christian history because of what Christ has already done and what he's promising to do when he comes back. So that is something I think is missed in all of this, regardless of how you interpret Revelation or the book of Daniel or the words in these little quote, little apocalypses in the synoptic gospels. 
what what is the common thread that holds all this together is that God's the only one who knows. And I think if I was Satan, I would like to distract Christians away from the fact that he's coming back and that only God knows. But if I can start getting a few of God's people to kind of start to doubt and question each other, question the words of Christ, then what type of influence does that have when a bunch of people are sparring over the end times? It causes confusion, anger, and fear. And those are not things from God. Think about that. Sometimes if you are struggling to find God's will, if, if God is hidden from you and he, you know, he is remaining silent on things and you're going through this trial of your faith, it's easy to ask ourselves, what would God do? What would Christ do in these situations? And I'm praying, I'm fasting, I'm reading my Bible, and I got nothing. I'm, I'm just being silent. And God's testing you with his silence. He's, as Oswald Chambers would say, rewarding you with his silence. Then sometimes I find it, oh, I find a path forward, or at least which direction not to go. I might not know, and or I don't, I might not know, I guess, if I could say it this way, how many steps in which direction I should go, but I can help eliminate a lot of things by asking myself, which direction would Satan want me to go? What path would cause me destruction and those and the destruction of those around me? I find myself asking that question a lot because our faith is tough. Our faith is challenging. However, if we think just for a moment in this chaotic world that we live in, if any result of our action or actions results in fear, confusion, anger, guarantee you that's not from God. So thank you guys for listening this evening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Like, comment, subscribe. Again, we're on actually YouTube for those who like looking at that purple background. Appreciate you guys so much. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on any sort of podcast platform that you prefer. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Thank you for listening this evening. I appreciate you guys. I love you. Be safe and stay healthy.